Now, we must all fear evil men. But there is another kind of evil which we must fear most. And that is the indifference of good men. This is the Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. Today's episode is going to be as long as I need it to be. Now, I'm going to explain my rationale um, after the prayers. And before I do anything else, I'm going to do the prayers. One of them is going to be my usual prayer for the edification and the blessings of my audience, whoever chooses to listen to these. And then my second prayer is going to be my own personal, my own personal plea to our blessed Lord and our blessed Mother for mercy on the underground true Catholic Church known as Sedevacantism. Let's get started, guys. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Dear Mother Mary and Lord Jesus, I humbly beg and beseech you and the heavenly kingdom and all the saints of heaven. Please protect us spiritually and physically, and please grant us the graces of fervor, courage, fortitude, and most of all, holy wisdom to be able to discern your truth. And please protect the people of goodwill and good intention from the wolves in sheep's clothing masquerading as true Catholics. I humbly beseech you all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. So, the tone and tenor of this, of this however long the episodes take, because this is going to run over an hour. And by necessity, I'm going to have to break this up so they're easier to download onto the RSS feed. And because God's divine providence is what it is, I don't care whatever the consequences may be of these two episodes. I love our church. I love our Blessed Mother. And, uh, and I love our religion and our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let the consequences fall where they may. Let hell rain down upon my head. I don't care. As long as the Blessed Mother and the Lord are in my corner, I don't care what come what may. I always tell our Lord and our Lady, whatever it takes today, Today is whatever it takes. 
Now, I was very tempted to make this into a rant. I was very tempted to make this into a rant. And honestly speaking, and I'm going to explain the context, but this being a rant is what people would call non-productive. It would be non-productive for me to shout and rant and rail. Now, I'm going to try, insofar as I'm able, to keep this conversational. But given the nature of the topic, given the nature of who I'm talking about, and given the very nature of my love for our Lord and our Blessed Mother and the true religion and the one true church, it may get ranty at points. This is your warning. Take it for what it's worth. You have been warned. But I'm going to try for the most part to keep this conversational. Now, my voice may sound emotional. Ignore that. This is not emotion. It's intensity. A lot of people, a lot of moderns, because we are a product of modern day culture and society, are going to... They often, very often mistake intensity for emotion. There's a huge difference. Emotion, emotion, it, it, it has no place in discourse. But emotion in general, what a lot of people get twisted is when a person is being intense, in other words, they strongly believe something, they mistake it for emotion. I want to promise you, for everything that I'm worth, that my tone is not emotional, it's intensity. Now, let me go into the context. When I woke up, when I woke up this morning, I wasn't sure. I felt kind of led. Um, I felt kind of led to put out a an episode, but I wasn't really sure what topic I should cover. So I busied myself doing other things and waited for the inspiration to hit. When I got done with my the things I was doing, I decided. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, check out YouTube and see what's going on. And there's a certain set of Vacantis prelate. Now, I'm going to say this up front. Um, so far, I have tried to be charitable and not mentioning names. And not just out of charity toward the people involved, but most importantly, I did not want to be guilty of rash judgment because I neither know these, I, I just didn't want to be guilty of rash judgment without knowing the total and complete facts at hand. So I have not decided yet. I'm going, you know, if, if the inspiration hits me at the end, to name names, I will. But for right now, and 
once again, I don't think I get many set of a contest on my channel. So a lot of people wouldn't be aware of the personalities that are involved in this. Let's just call it for what it is, this travesty. But for though for my long-term listeners who may not be actual set of a contest, it's the usual suspects that I nor have listed in my other podcasts on set of a contest. Side of a contism, I'm sorry. Set of a contism. And in particular, these guys are on YouTube. One is the prelate in question that I do not name. And the other is the more or less normie set of a contest podcaster. They're both on YouTube. So I listened. They both have put out um, podcasts. Now, the prelate in question, this, this, this episode that he put out on YouTube just recently came out. I'd, I'd like to say within the last day. The Normie Said Vacantis podcaster that I'm referring to. Anybody who listened to my episode on why you shouldn't vote. And I, 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 I split that into two parts. One was for my quote unquote right wing secular audience. If I have any. The other was for Sedvacantis in particular. Now, I tried to be as charitable as I can. What I fear is, is I'm about ready to lose my charity with the layman, normie Sedvacantis uh, podcaster in question. And I'm going to try to avoid that. But I mentioned in that episode that I did not even listen to that episode. Because I knew beforehand that what he was going to talk about, I already knew what he was going to say before he even said it. But I was talking to a friend of mine last night who's also a fellow set of a contest. And he had mentioned that he had tried to wade through it. And when he when we when we had our talk, I wasn't sure how long this episode ran for. When you know, he said he tried to listen for like 10 minutes and he had to shut it off. Because it was a bunch of banal normie bullcrap. And when he said that, I was a little disappointed because I I was wondering if perhaps maybe I'd been too hasty. So I listened to his the, the podcast that I said I wasn't going to listen to, knowing full well, well, I'll get into that, but later. Um, I listened to it just out of charity's sake. And it was everything I knew it was going to be. There's a famous, well, if you follow American football, and I know I have a lot of listeners outside of the um, United States, 
In American football, back in the 90s, there was a coach for the Arizona Cardinals named Dennis Green. And he got shellacked by the Chicago Bears. And when the dummies of the media were interviewing, they said, well, Coach Green, you got shellacked by the Bears. Were they, were they, uh, were the Bears who you thought they would be? And Dennis Green, now these professional coaches are trained to be professionals, but these guys at heart love football and they love what they do. And he was, he literally got shellacked that game and he got pissed and he said, of course they were who we thought they were. What kind of stupid question? Of course they were who we thought they were. And that's my reaction to this episode. He was exactly, he said exactly what I thought he would say with a few, and I'm going to get into this later, with a few twists that, I don't consume this gentleman's podcast on a regular basis. There's a reason for this. The reason being is that I've heard some of his BS normie takes in the past. And generally, they tend to get me fired up. And um, if you're trying to lead a pious and devout life, you don't want that to happen. And the advice of the spiritual writers is avoid things to get you fired up. So I try to just confine myself to this stuff that I think is going to be spiritually useful. But he, he, in this episode, he outdid himself. And I didn't even listen. I mean, it was a 45 minute long, at least minimum long episode. I had to literally, to keep me from throwing my phone against the wall, I had to skip through some of the parts to, to, to kind of, you know, and stop and force myself to listen to the normie BS that he was spouting. Once again, I'm going to try to be charitable, but we are talking about people's lives, their, 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 their lives. And when I say lives, I'm not talking about their natural physical existences, their their bodily life. I'm talking about their spiritual lives and their salvation are at stake. So blessed mother, blessed Lord, please forgive me if I get self-indulgent here and say what I really think is the old cliche goes here in America. Now, before I get started into the particular arguments, and I'm going to break this into two parts. I'm going to take the first part and talk about the particular prelate in question and the particular um, heirs that he's teaching and that he's stubbornly teaching. And this man has been a Catholic since the 1950s. He was trained in the pre-Vatican, well, no, actually he was trained in the Vatican II seminaries, but because he recognized the heirs of the Vatican II Council, this prelate in particular has, um, should know better. He should absolutely see the absolute heirs and what 
this, he calls it a thesis. It is a thesis. It was actually put out by a traditionally ordained Catholic cardinal or bishop who stayed in the Vatican II sect and died in that. But he should, he absolutely knows better. And I'm going to state that flatly. He should absolutely, he absolutely knows better, but persists despite this. His motivations or whatever do not matter to me. The fact is, is we have a prelate teaching error. And in case any of body within my own circle hears this, I'm not calling him a heretic and I'm not accusing him of heresy or teaching it. I'm saying the thesis is erroneous and I'm going to give my reasons why. Now I've spilled, I've, I've wasted more of, of my breath explaining why we wouldn't have the Vatican II heretical council if people like myself had spoke up when it actually counted instead of waiting for the actual event itself to happen and then say, oh, wow, we've got a bunch of Masons within our um, organization and now they've taken over and um, the inmates are literally running the institution, as it were. And then I will take care of the Normie Set of a Contest podcaster. I'm already 20 minutes into it. I'm not quite done with the introduction. As I said, it's going to take over an hour. It takes what it takes. I will break it up into chunks. I want to start off, first of all, before I get into the particular prelate in question and his particular um, heirs, that I, there, there, there's a cliche, there's a literal cliche in America about losing IQ points, but because I've denounced the whole idea of IQ, as a measuring stick, I will say that I feel like I've literally lost brain cells listening to these. Once again, I, I want to stress th these criticisms I'm about ready to say. They are not personal attacks on the people themselves. I do not know the particular prelate in question personally. I only know him, as they say on the uh, interwebs, I only know him through social media, i.e. YouTube. The particular set of the contest, Layman Normie, who's a part of my organization, no less, which makes it particularly more shameful. I don't know him personally. However, if I do get self-indulgent and I tell you what I really think about the brain-dead excrement that came out of his mouth, which I just did, that is not an attack on him as a person. I don't know the man. I don't know the man's family. 
He seems like a very well-intentioned, as I said in other episodes, very well-intentioned, very mild-mannered, nice person. And I'm sure he is in real life. But when people say dumb things, the ex-soldier in me wants, hence the self-indulgence, feels the need to call it out in the harshest and most brutal terms possible so that people understand that I'm not playing around here and neither should anyone else, especially the young man in question. So, but I feel like I literally lost brain cells listening to these two people. First, the, um, and and by the way, I jotted down notes as I was listening to these. They are shorthand notes and the piece of paper that I happen to be writing upon happens to be, um, had writing on it previously. So, my comments are going to seem disjointed and scattered. I, I want to apologize about this beforehand. But I want to reassure you that um, it, 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 can't, it can't be helped. And I'm going to do the best with what I can. So... Oh, and by the way, this episode is aimed at any set of a contest who might happen to stumble upon this channel or get directed to it. I can't pronounce the Latin term for the thesis. The found or the original author of the thesis was a Vatican II sect who was uh, cardinal or bishop. Well, they're both one and the same, but the cardinal is a bishop who has a higher authority. I, I, he might have been a theologian in a seminary. The background in regards to this particular episode of the particular prelate in question, and I'm talking about the guy who wrote the thesis, is not important. But he was ordained in the pre-Vatican II true Catholic Church. Therefore, he is validly ordained. In the 1970s, when the mass exodus of true Catholics left the fake Norvis Ordo Church of the Vatican II sect, wrote a thesis outlining um, outlining a, a a a thesis for those of you who haven't been to college, a thesis doctrinal students, and when I say doctrinal, I'm talking about in an actual college, not in a in a theological sense. But say you're getting your doctorate in political science, when you enter into the um the school of political science, you have to write, and it depends on the college, a thesis of what you're going to study. This particular prelate in question wrote a thesis outlining his position on the heirs of the Vatican II Council. 
As I said, it has a fancy Latin first part that I cannot pronounce, but for sake of brevity, I will call it the thesis. The thesis, as it's outlined by the particular prelate in question, states, or his, his interpretation of the thesis, because the particular prelate who wrote the original thesis died, I want to say, in the early 90s. And he was still a member of the Vatican II sect when he died. Now, how he will be judged for staying in an obviously heretical sect is between him and God. And for the, for the sake of this episode, it, it's, it's, it's not helpful for me to give any further comment on that. But um, one of the gross errors that he stated in his video, and I'm talking about the uh, Sedevacantist uh, prelate in question who talked about this thesis, was that Mr. Bergoglio is a fake pope, Mr. Ratzinger is a fake pope, Mr. Um, Watia was a fake pope, Mr. Roncalli was a fake pope, and Mr. Montini was a fake pope. However, the cardinals who elected them are legitimate. Now, I, I've already covered the errors of this thinking. For my newer listeners, I'm going to be as brief as I can why I just called this erroneous. Number one, the circumstances of the Vatican II Council in the election of Mr. Roncalli as quote-unquote Pope John Paul XXIII were at best irregular. Canon law of 1917 and previous canonists and saints and doctors of the church have written implicitly and in no uncertain terms if a papal election is held under un irregular circumstances that election is invalid and needs to be redone so the election of Mr. Roncalli nullified his election and by the code of canon law and by church tradition the irregular election of Mr. Roncalli is therefore null and void and should have been redone. Number two, whereas the cardinals that elected Mr. Roncalli, Mr. Montini, Mr. Watia were validly elected cardinals in 1968, the Vatican II sect not just changed the right of consecration for priests to the heretical Vatican II doctrine. They also did it for the cardinals. This was in 1968. Any cardinal consecrated after 1968 is not a valid cardinal. Therefore, none of the cardinals who were consecrated in the 1968 right 
of, of, of consecration by the heretical Vatican II Council right of consecration are valid. I realize I probably just repeated myself. Therefore, the cardinals that are currently in power right now are not valid. They have no more cause to call themselves a cardinal than I do. I can call myself Cardinal Quixote the Fifth. That does not make me a cardinal. And if some erroneous person were to ordain me as a cardinal, or a priest for that matter, under the heretical 1968 codes of consecration from the Vatican II sect, I would still be who I am, a layperson of no standing and no authority. I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to have to take pauses here. Give me a sec. I apologize, guys. Occasionally, I'm going to have to stop recording to go over my notes. And like I said, I wrote them on a piece of paper that it already had writing on it. So occasionally, I'm going to have to take little small breaks while I look at my notes. His second very blatant error is that if you, if you recognize the Cardinals as Vatican II as legitimate... You are tacitly, oh, thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. I need to go back just a hair. In my previous, in my previous episodes, it is a pre-Vatican II Catholic teaching that there is tacit support and then there is, I'm going to call it blatant. They actually have a more uh, fancy, more technical correct name for for the word but there is tacit support which means you're not publicly supporting a person or an institution but you're going along with the program and then there's the other aspect of it where you're blatantly and publicly supporting a person or an institution if you recognize those cardinals who were illegally consecrated in an illegal rite of consecration under the rubrics of a heretical council, you are tacitly, in other words, um, you're passively supporting that heresy. I am a layperson. I have been swimming in Catholic waters for 20 years. And what makes this error in particular so egregious, and egregious is a 10-cent word for blatant, what makes this error particularly blatant is the fact that the prelate in in particular has denounced in no uncertain terms the Vatican II Council and the 1968 Rite of Consecration publicly. I've seen the videos, but for whatever reason, once again, I don't want to fall into uh, rash judgment. He has his reasons. I don't care. He's teaching air. He 
is tacitly supporting that council and the illegal right by saying that these cardinals have authority and they're actual cardinals. No, they are not. Because if you support those cardinals, then you support the priest also. Which is going to bring me to the third point he talked about where he was talking about the indefectibility of the Catholic Church. Indefectibility is a fancy um is 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 a fancy theological term meaning that the Catholic Church will never fall. I've covered this ad nauseum in my previous podcast uh podcast episodes. When Jesus Christ promised Peter and his disciples that the gates of hell would not prevail against the Catholic Church. It is a matter um now some people would say we have the benefit of hindsight. Okay, let's grant that argument. With the benefit of 60 years of hindsight. When it comes to the outward institutions. What do I mean by this? The people themselves, the cardinals, the fake popes, the fake priests, the buildings, the institutions that were once the true Catholic Church, those outward institutions have been overthrown. It is my personal theory, and I'm not, I'm not claiming, I'm not claiming any sort of, um, infallibility on this it is my theory when he when jesus told his disciples that the gates of hell would not prevail against the catholic church he was referring specifically to himself in other words his spirit the, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, Him the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that the gates of hell would not prevail against Him, pers- you know, the Holy Trinity personally, because the Holy without the Holy Trinity, you don't have a Catholic Church. Now, we do have the benefit of 60 years of hindsight to look back and say, well, um, Something's going on here because we have actual heretics in the institutions fooling a bunch of ignorant people into thinking that they're the actual Catholic Church. So in that regard, it muddies the waters. But when he talks about the indefectibility of the Catholic Church, What he is talking about, and this is my fourth point, is there. uh, my long-term listeners will be familiar about what I call the resist, recognize and resist crowd, you know, quote-unquote traditional, what I call neo-trad crowd, who, they're full of errors. The, The first and most blatant error that they fall into is the air that they do not follow the pre-John the 23rd mass 
that was promulgated in 1962, which Father Chikada in numerous videos denounced as heretical. But another error that they fall into, and I've documented this on St. Longinus' baptism video, our podcast channel, is that they say that they recognize the popes, and when I say the popes, I'm talking about the um, Vatican II popes as legitimate and the Vatican II council as a legitimate council. Now, what this particular prelate, the, 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 the glaring error that he's falling into, and once again, his motivations do not count, especially given his rank. He is a senior prelate. He is the face of set of Vacantism, whether we like it or not. But this is recognize and resist through the back door. Once again, going back to the concept of tacit support. Because that the argument of the indefectibility of the Catholic Church, and for my new listeners, I'm former Vatican II sect member, and I'm also a former Protestant. So I'm very f- intimately familiar with their errors and heresies. When he says, when he uses the argument about the indefectibility of the Catholic Church, he is using the recognize and resist argument tacitly. He may not be saying, well, I agree with the neo-traditionalist apologists of the Vatican II sect when they talk about the indefectibility of the Catholic Church. Okay? Once again, in order to give tacit support, you don't have to publicly proclaim. You don't have to publicly proclaim... Well, I agree with the the the, the, um, the neo-traditionalists of the Vatican II sect. I agree with their apologists. You don't have to do that. If your arguments in public, once again, there's also private and public. Privately, if he's having a brandy with his seminary students and he says, well, personally, I think, guys like um, John Salza and Mr. Venary and Taylor Marshall are all correct on the indefective ability of the Catholic Church. That's private. That's between him and God. When he goes out on a YouTube channel and in, in the day of social media, you don't get much more public than Twitter or YouTube. When he says this, he is literally giving tacit support. Now, to make to break down this concept as easy as I can make it, let's just say tomorrow, martial law begins. And the Masonic forces of our government start rounding up dissidents and shooting them in the streets. And I stand by and I do try do, do nothing to try to stop them, even if it costs me my life. I have just given tacit support to their atrocities because I could have done something, but I did nothing. Or if the animatronic sock puppet that pretends to be the president of the United States, Mr. Biden is to come out and say something so wacky 
let's just say he says the moon's purple. And given his own illness with dementia, that's not without the realms of possibility. And I go on Twitter and I try, I don't directly say, well, Mr. Biden is right, the moon's purple, but I give a bunch of arguments where I'm not literally agreeing with him, but I'm giving arguments why he might be right. I'm giving tacit support. I don't have to say on Twitter, well, I agree with Mr. Biden. The moon is purple. If I'm giving, if I'm giving indirect arguments why he's correct, I'm giving tacit support. It doesn't get any simpler than that. And and furthermore, the um he referred to the mass given by the neo-traditionalist Vatican II sect members who do recognize the Vatican II Council as being legitimate as the traditional Latin Mass. Now, because for the sake of not complicating my own situation right now, I'm not going to denounce that obvious, and I'm going to be charitable and call it an error, but that's obviously false. It's false in the extreme. Not only has this particular prelate 30 years ago denounced that mass as being the three history classmates from the St. Pius X Society in the 1970s, especially, God bless his name, God bless him, Father Chicada have stated implicitly that the mass that is given by the neo-traditionalists is, by canon law, heretical. And by the way, if you want to go on YouTube, if you want a, a deeper dive into what I'm talking about, and listen to Father Chicada's videos, as far as I could tell, they're still up. But he knows darn good and well those masses are not legitimate. If they were legitimate, you wouldn't need a set of a contest movement. And furthermore, if his thesis were correct, you wouldn't need a set of a contest movement once again. Because if the cardinals were all validly ordained and were valid, then we instead of a contest would be what would we get accused of being heretics and schismatics because we would be going against validly ordained cardinals and priests by extension. And once again, this goes into the modernist air of appeals to authority. Well, you're just a layman. What do you know? He's been Catholic for 70 years. That was the same attitude they gave us Vatican II. Well, you can't criticize Bishop so-and-so. He, he, he's, yeah, he may say some errors every once and again, but he's basically, um, you know, he's basically uh, 
uh, orthodox. I have listened to this, a lot of this, this, I'm going to give him a literal um, and sincere thank you because a lot of what he taught about pre-Vatican II Catholicism helped for me as a Catholic. And for those of you who think that this is some sort of, um, that this is some sort of um, contradiction, I can assure you it isn't. It isn't. The reason I've been doing the videos I've been doing and where I mentioned the errors is because he's contradicting himself. I'm not contradicting him. He's contradicting himself. There's a famous expression in internet circles that the internet never forgets. He's got 30 years of material not just on his channel, but scattered throughout the said Vacantist um, uh, YouTube channels of him not, I mean, he's on True Restoration Radio. For those of you who don't know, True Restoration Radio is a said Vacantist website. He's, he, if you, if you, Get on, uh, if um, because I'm probably the way things are working out. I'm pretty sure the episodes where he talked about his evolution from a Vatican II sect seminarian to a Society of Saint Pius X priest to a Society of Saint Pius V priest to a set of accountants bishop and seminary director are well documented but in order to access those you're probably going to have to pay the uh pay get through their paywall to do it this is and and i i i can already hear i can already hear the objections if should any of my co-religionists get a hold of this well, you sound all emotional. And one of the favorite expressions that people use nowadays to denounce you or to draw or, or, or to um, cause doubt about what you're saying is, well, you sound overwrought. You sound over emotional. You're, you're, you're overwrought. You're not thinking clearly. Oh, I'm thinking very clearly. I'm thinking very clearly. I have had at least four or five years to listen to the materials. And I want to caution you, said Vacantis, who want to accuse me of being overwrought about rash judgment because none of you know me. So none of you have no idea how many videos on YouTube and in particular, Norvis Ordo Watch and True Restoration that I listened to before I got baptized last year. Just a word of advice, just a word of caution. But I'm sure I'm going to be accused of um, being overwrought. I'm sure I'm going to be accused of 
of presumption. Well, who's a layman to criticize a bishop? I'm not criticizing the bishop. Um, I, I'm not calling him a heretic. I, and honestly, I'm not calling his position on the thesis heresy. I'm calling it an error. And once again, I want to ask you, any, any set of accountants in the future who may get a hold of this episode, I want you to think about something. Number one, you cannot be, be before, thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. Before I get into my main point, I want to ask any set of accountants who come across this in the future, before you you make a rash judgment about the content of the next this video and the next, go back and listen to the content of both my channels. It's not that hard before you make your decision and start accusing me publicly or trying to discredit what I'm saying. I challenge you. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Listen to every episode where I deal with the heirs of the Vatican II sect, Protestantism, and of the particular heirs within our co-religionists. I challenge you to do that before you, you try to blacken me and my reputation. Now, but I, I can hear the argument. Well, that's presumption, you know. You're, you're making a, a theological argument and you're not qualified to make a theological argument because you don't have the nuance and you don't have the context. I know an error when I hear one. I know where error I'm when I hear one. And, and by the way, being a layman in and of itself, last time I checked... I have the right and the duty if I hear a error coming out of the mouth of a prelate, a public prelate who is literally the face of our movement, I literally have the duty and the right if I hear an error to speak on it. And once again, I'm not judging motivations and I'm not call I'm I'm, I'm not making uh, magisterial pronouncements such as heresy or heretic. I'm saying air. And it goes back to can Catholic teaching contradict itself? Now, should any Sedvacantis priest out there from within my own organization listen to this podcast? I want to ask with all due humility this question. If Catholic teaching cannot contradict itself, then can a priest or a prelate that was trained in the pre-Vatican II Catholic dogma and theology, when they are teaching, can they contradict themselves? I'm asking that humbly and sincerely, can they contradict themselves? And... I also want to humbly and sincerely ask. We are 
Does no one see the times that we're living in? Do no one's, does nobody recognize where we are heading? Now is not the time for us to be allowing people to, once again, intentions don't matter, teach those in authority to teach air. We do not, now is not the time. I don't know what happened with Father Bernard Utley. It's, it's between him and God. But to those open-minded set of contest listeners that I may have, you have wolves among the sheep. And it doesn't matter if it's an actual wolf who's intent on killing the sheep or just a starving dog who thinks it's a wolf killing the sheep. We are heading into dangerous times. This could absolutely, absolutely kill the remnant of the remnant of the true believers. I'm trying to warn of the dangers that we're in right now. Whether or not you have the spiritual discernment to recognize it or not, it's between you and God. Um, I'll save that. Another, this has less to do, um, those, those were the um, contradictions I noticed in his recent video. The, some of the more blatant, I don't even know what to call it, but he was talking about how the young people are going, and once again, he called the the mass of Pope John, I'm sorry, Mr. Roncalli, he called it the traditional Latin mass. He's saying that young people are flocking to it. And he said that everybody is not or I'm sorry, the young people were not in the Vatican II sect. Now, I understand he's a bishop and he's a seminary professor. He doesn't have the grunt's eye view that I do. But uh, any of his listeners out there, you might want to let the bishop in question know that he's wrong. I'm on Pinterest and I'm on Tumblr. There are plenty of sheep, teenagers, and youngsters who think that the heretical mass of the Vatican II Council, and when I talk about this, I'm not even talking about the fake Latin mass. I'm talking about the actual heretical mass, the Protestantized mass of the Vatican II Council. As a matter of fact, whenever I mention the words heresy, pre-Vatican II Council, heretics, they get quiet. They do not comment on my posts. They say nothing. So that, I guess, I guess the air there, it's a broad generalization, a very broad generalization without any basis in fact. It's literally whistling past the graveyard. Once again, I have the grunt side view. I see it every day. Every day I post to Pinterest and Tumblr, my accounts, 
I see this. And by the way, I don't know why, going back to a previous episode, why he had to mention young people in particular. Because there are plenty of people my age, and I happen to be practically elderly, who go, um, who think that the Vatican II Council is legit and younger. People in their 40s and 30s, they think it's legit. So there is absolutely no argument to be made that somehow or another that people are turning to the quote-unquote true religion. Because if you're calling the fake Latin Mass of Mr. Roncalli the actual traditional Latin Mass, you're just adding, you're throwing gasoline on a napalm fire. Don't know how else to put it. I'm getting ready to wrap up. In closing, because I was checking my notes, I couldn't find any other of my... um, Just as an aside, I, I bumped into one of my notes... Um, This whole idea of the indefectibility of the Catholic Church is a sort of legalism. And and I've I've explained why, you know, I, I disagree with his take on indefectibility, the indefectibility. But it is a type of legalism. Because and, and for those of you who don't know, a legalism is basically a technical loophole that allows you to say whatever it is you want to say and believe whatever it is you want to believe, despite the fact that you are literally in error or heresy. Now, in closing, and this is... Because I don't know how divine providence is going to work out. So, if things work out the way they may work out, this this next part is for that. Should anybody from my organization recognize my voice and know who I am, should my priest, or heaven forbid, my prelate, Hear this episode. I will literally stand before every prelate, not just within my my own set of the Contus organization. I, I will put forward myself for an examination. I will put forward the books I've read from, the videos I've listened to, the contents of my podcast, both of them, and both of my social media accounts for scrutiny. I will I will stand before judgment because regardless of what people might think, I do consider myself an obedient Catholic and obedient to divine providence. If I am ordered to stop, 
by my bishop or my priest, I will stop. But God's divine providence will not be stopped. Okay? I will be obedient. If I'm told to stop, I'm stopped. But if this is what he wants, if this, if, if he wants the warnings to go out, they're going to go out. You can shut me up. Somebody else, God's going to give somebody else. Nobody can stop this message if it is of God's will. If it is of his divine providence and along the lines of divine providence. Some might argue, well, maybe this is God's divine providence, that it is his will that the, the remnant of the remnant, you know, that, that the remnant get winnowed to a minority. My, I can only quote Father Decaside, Jean-Pierre Decaside, my my duty is not to try to figure out what God's intentions are. My duty is only to do the will of God as I best understand it. And since I don't have a spiritual advisor, I have to lean heavily on what I think are the promptings of our Lord and His Blessed Mother. And I have no problem. I, I, I sleep well at night because honestly speaking, um, I have a good conscience. I know that I haven't contradicted myself. I know I haven't contradicted traditional Catholic teaching. And I know I'm doing the will of God as best as I can. And I respect my priest and my prelate, my bishop. I do. But, I mean, I, I love them both. I do. As a human being. But even if they were to come to my door and say a month, a year, six months, it doesn't matter. And say, we are excommunicating you. You are no longer a set of accountants in our organization. I've done my part. I, I know we're, well, not completely, but I'm not worried because my Lord made me uh, down to the molecular level and he made the whole world. Only he truly knows whether I'm, number one, doing his will, and number two, if I truly love, love him completely and utterly and serve him and his blessed mother completely. He's my only judge at the larger scheme of things. And as far as our blessed mother goes, she is my rock. She is my rock. I'm not worried. See, People don't recognize the danger we're living in today. And what, I mean, it's always been apparent 
it's always been apparent that a lot of people within my, a lot of my co-religionists are no better than their neighbors. Jesus talked about, uh, in one of his, um, I think it was on the Sermon on the Mount. He was, he was talking to his Jewish audience and he was talking about natural phenomena. When the wind blows from the west, you know it'll be hot. Um, there was a couple other examples. And he basically told them, well, you could see the natural, the natural, uh, nature's workings and you could recognize what's going on in nature but you can't even recognize the spiritual times you're living in now I've done enough reading on Catholic history that I know that that's always been the case in Catholicism you know more more naturally minded people who consider themselves Catholic. They know when it's going to rain. They know when the sun's going to set. They know when it's going to be hot. But they don't recognize the spiritual signs of the times. And on a more practical level, on a more practical level, I'm not making any authoritative claims to be the mouth of God, a prophet, or any of that stuff. On a more practical level, I'm just trying to get, or I'm just trying to point people in the right direction of repenting of their sins. Because as I never get tired of saying, it doesn't matter when the Great Tribulation happens. It doesn't matter when the Great Reset happens. Because we could die at any time. As a matter of fact, this episode may never even hit the can. I could die of a brain aneurysm in the next 10 seconds. One last thing and I'm going to close out. Excuse me, I know that's gross. Um, how many prophets... How many prophets did God send Israel, not just Israel, but when they split, when the kingdom of Israel was split into Israel and Judah, how many prophets did God send those two kingdoms? And they kept, both kingdoms kept getting destroyed. And to make it worse, and I... Please, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus, please, please, please plant some seeds. How many of the chief priests, the religious authorities within the temple at Jerusalem killed some of those prophets? By the way, this isn't something I'm making about making up. Read the Gospels. The Pharisees who were the... Um, who were the um, who were the uh, for lack of a better term descendants of the chief priests of the temple he told them he said the religious authorities killed the prophets throughout the gospels 
And a lot of people, t- you know, because we're moderns, we tend to think literally. You can kill somebody's soul and you, you might as well stick a gun to their head and pull the trigger for what the end result is. You have wolves in the sheep pen. It's time to, to, as we say in America, put up or shut up. That's it. So, uh, I'm going to put in the show notes that this, that these next two episodes are going to be for Sedvacantis in particular. If you are a um, secular, a Vatican II sect member, or a Protestant who happens to stumble upon these, um, I think you stumbled on the, the, wrong, the, the wrong two episodes. But if you gave me your time and listen, I do appreciate it. Um, I appreciate your time and your patience. Slightly over an hour. The next one probably run about an hour too. Um, I really do appreciate your time and your patience. I pray for everyone. I do. And I'd like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. Now, normally I would say you need to recognize graces when they're given to you. But I'm wondering if I'm not speaking out of ignorance because if you can't even recognize that we... We're living in dangerous times, and I'm talking to my Sedvacantist uh, co-religionist. If you can't even recognize the times we're living in, and that we have actual people in authority teaching air, how are you going to recognize an actual grace when it's standing you in the face? So, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. A sincere and heartfelt God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.